All right, um, a couple things real quick before we get started. First of all, welcome everybody who's here, and I want to welcome our guests, especially those who are watching online. Thank you so much for those of you who have joined us, and I got to give a special shout out to my family and friends up in South Dakota. I know they're watching right now, and so I want to say welcome to all of them. But I also want to just challenge you with something this morning, and that is this, is that, um, you know, we are, we're, we're launching something new in this month, and you know, we're all about leadership, we're all about uniting the generations, but one of the things is that there's been some things that have been happening in our youth group over the last several months. And so, see? And I want you to know that on August the 23rd, we are launching and we are splitting our youth group in from the high school and the middle school. And uh, our director, Morgan Hollick, is going to lead them. And I was told today that I think they had, what, 33 in, in today. And so they're wearing orange shirts. So find them, ask them about how you can get involved. And if you know of anybody in middle school, boy, we want to make sure that they go there. And you're going to find out a little bit more about that in just a little bit, okay? All right, now, I want to kind of give you a heads up of, on what we're going to do today because Today, um, I'm actually going to do a preparation for what we're going to start next week. Next week, we're starting a brand new series, and it's called From Running to Revival, and it's the story of Jonah. And what I just want to say real quickly is that if you are not in a life group, please get in a life group. We were not made to do life by ourselves. We were made to do life together. And so the main thing about the life groups is not so much even that you're, you're studying the Word of God together, although that's important, but the biggest thing about life group is I want you to walk and live and do life together. Because you know what? There's going to be times in your life when things are going to go wrong, when things are going to go bad, and you're going to need others. And that's where the church steps in. So I want to encourage you. Find Corey Brado. She's out there at the guest services and find out how you can get involved. Okay? All right. Now, here we go for today. So back when President Lincoln was the president of the United States, he was in the White House. And thank you. I'm going to need that. Oh, Thank you for coming up. You know what? I think I need to make a comment on the sermon from last week. <laughs> Thank you for reminding that, oh, son-in-law of mine. Okay, so I want you to know that I was driving last week through heaven. Okay, I was in Nebraska, driving home, and I was listening to the sermon. And I told my wife, I said, you know what? I should get a little credit for some of that message there. But here's what I want you to know, and I'm going to admit to you. He made the statement from up here that he asked me if I would pray for him. And my response was, nope, you're on your own. I'm here to tell you the truth. I did say that, okay? I did. But I figured, you know what? He was a big boy now. He flew all the way across the ocean. He's about to ask my, my daughter's hand for marriage. I figured, you know what? At some point in time, he's going to need to stand on his own two feet, and now was the time. So, But anyway, we are blessed to have him as a part of our family, and what an incredible job he did last week. All right, now, there you go. You're buying lunch. <laughs> so when President Lincoln was in the White House, there was someone that came up to him and asked him, in fact, he, they invited him to his church. And he asked me, he said, well, what church are you going to? And he goes, I go to the Presbyterian church. And the president said, you know what? I was planning on coming to that church this week because I understand you have a new preacher there. And he goes, yes, he's an incredible preacher. What a great pastor. We want you to come and hear him. 
So on that Sunday morning, the president got in his carriage and he went to the church. It was the Presbyterian church, as I said, and, and he went to church and afterwards then he left and he greeted a few people and then he got into his carriage and then he left. But as he was leaving, the man who invited him ran up to him and said, Mr. President, Mr. President, what did you think of our new preacher? And the president thought for a moment and he said, I want to tell you, he was a very good, he was an excellent orator. However, he failed to do something. He failed to challenge us to do something great. Corey Ten Boom was asked, how do you determine if something is great or if something is of God? And she gave three answers. The first one was this, it's impossible. The second thing is this, it's difficult. And then the third thing that happens is this, it gets done. Right now, in our world, there are some three billion people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Three billion people that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, I want to take just a moment, and I want to remind all of us about what our role is in those three billion people. And it begins in Matthew. Look at what it says here. There it is. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Right there, the Lord does not give us a suggestion, but he gives us a command. And what's the command? Go into all nations, go to all tribes, go to all different languages, and share with them the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Share with them that he is the Messiah whom everybody had been waiting for, that he is, in fact, the Savior of the world. And then in Acts 1.8, the Bible tells us, and this is how you're going to get it done. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So right there we see that the Bible tells us that our power to do this great monumental task will come from the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us when we make that commitment to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But it also tells us there that you start at home and you branch out from there. All right, now, so I know that I'm com- what I'm commanded to do, and I know where I'm going to get my power, but look at this next piece the Scripture tells us. And teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what I've been looking for. I don't have to do it by myself. I've got a command. I'm to go into all the world. I need to start at home. The power comes from the Holy Spirit. And you know what? The promise is Jesus will never leave my side. Well, what happens next when the gospel is preached? Watch this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. Now look what it says then. And then the end will come. One last thing. How is it to be done? The Bible tells us. It does, really. There it is. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? 
And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? See, God commands us to go into the world. He gives us the power through the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to start at home. We're supposed to go throughout all the world. He promises to never leave us. In fact, he's going to walk with us, holding our hand the entire way. And what we're supposed to do is we're supposed to preach the word of God. Now, you want to know something really interesting? Statistics tell us right now that the average person needs three different encounters before they will even make a move towards Jesus. Some people, some statistics tell us that they have to have seven different encounters with seven different people in order for them to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm not that patient. I want to have happen in my life what happened in the book of Acts. Remember what happened there? The apostles started preaching, and the Bible tells us that the people were cut to the heart. They were so impacted by it, but they were crying out, what is it that we need to do? And remember what the apostles said? They said, you must be repentant and be baptized. That's what I want to see, because you know what? I believe in the true power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not in my words. It's the words that come from God's word. That's where the power is. And you know what I'm believing? I'm believing that that word one time can make a difference. Do you know what that looks like? Let me remind you. On that day, almost all of village expressed belief in our Lord Jesus Christ. There was a sense of tremendous relief. The Mok are generally a restrained people. But as the gospel sunk in and new believers sensed the liberation from sin, spontaneous rejoicing broke out. Watch what happened. Village believers stating that he too believes that Christ has paid for his sins. Itao, which means it's true or it's good, it's very true. Village grammar rejoicing that he believes, so does she. Different ones giving testimony as to their belief in Christ as their sin bearer. Mark saying that if they really are believing, then God's word says that their sin is forgiven. Itao, it's good, it's true. Spontaneous rejoicing breaks out. This went on for two and a half hours. I know you've seen that before. 
but I needed to see that today to remind me of the transforming power of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Can you think of somebody in your life that you wish that you would have shared the gospel of Jesus with? My friends, here's what I want you to remember. The church is the hope of the world. And if the church doesn't go, who will go? Do you remember our mission statement? The first part is to know Christ. But do you remember what the last part of it is? To make him known. To know Christ and to make him known. That's our challenge for today. Stand with me out of respect for God's word. As I read from Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 8. After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them out of their own means. While a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told them this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell on the path that was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because it had no moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than what was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, when it comes to sharing my faith, I tend to get a little nervous. I have to admit sometimes I cower behind fear and I don't do the job. I want you to know, Father, I don't have all the answers, but I know I don't need all the answers because I have a story. And I pray, Lord, that you would allow me to use my story, give you the courage, knowing that I'm not in this by myself, but you walk with me step by step. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So did you know that 83%, 83% of all Christians make their first commitment between the ages of four and 14? 83% of all Christians make their first commitment to the Lord between the ages of four and 14. Well, that ought to tell you why we put so much effort into our children's ministry and our youth, right? It makes sense. But my friends, there's another side to that coin that you also need to know. Do you realize that if you're older than age 19, if you're older than age 19, you only have a 6% chance to receive and make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ based on the gospel of Jesus? Man, that's scary, isn't it? I mean, that's 
almost 90% of us who are in this room. If you're over 19, you're probably never going to make that commitment. You know, one of the things that I always wonder about is, okay, if there are these three billion plus people that have never been reached for the gospel of Jesus Christ, do we know where they are? Or are they just scattered all over? And you know what? We do have a pretty good idea where the majority of them are. In fact, we know that 86% of them are in what we call the 1040 window. It's a window between 10 degrees and 40 degrees from the west coast of Africa all the way to the east coast of Asia, okay? It looks something like this. This is where 86% of the people who don't know who Jesus is, this is where they live. Now, you want to know something exciting and something that I hope you're proud of? Right now, today, we have a group from Central Community who are just south of that border, and guess what they're doing? They're building and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to people that do not know who Jesus is. Isn't that awesome? But see, that's what we're supposed to do, right? That's what we're supposed to do. All right, now, okay, Pastor Bob, well, what's with all the statistics? Well, the reason I want to share these statistics with you is because Jesus was into statistics. In fact, in the parable that I just read to you, he gives us some statistics. And what are they? Remember what he said? The very first thing he tells us is this. He says, 25% of all of the people that you share the gospel of Jesus Christ with will want to have nothing to do with it. He goes on, and then we learn that 50% will have minimal growth in the beginning, but will never come to maturity. And only 25% people, only 25% of the people that hear the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God are going to receive Jesus as their Lord, as their Savior, and have the gift of salvation. Wow, that's really hard, isn't it? That's difficult to hear. So I want to show you a statement, and I hope that this statement hits you like it did me. I mean, it just shook me to the core. Here's the statement. Listening to truth can be dangerous. I want to explain to you what I mean by that. What I mean by that is that listening to God's Word, listening to the truth of God's Word can be dangerous. You want to know why? Because what we have learned is that when we listen to the Word of God, when we hear the Word of God, but we do not apply it into our lives, over time our hearts become hardened and calloused. I hope that just grips you. I mean, think about that. In other words, if we hate the Word of God, if we listen to what God says, but we don't apply it into our lives, guess what? Our hearts are going to get hard, and our hearts are going to become calloused because we're not taking what God has given to us and applying it in our lives. You see, that's the heart that rarely hears a word from God also. I want you to look at this verse. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
you realize what the Scriptures are talking about there is hunger. What we need to remember is the truth of God's Word. When it is embedded, when it was planted, it will always germinate and it will always bear fruit. But if you're never hungry, you won't get fed. You won't be given more. If God has given you that which he wants you to apply to your life, but we don't apply it to our life, guess what? You won't get any more. Why? Because you're not demonstrating hunger. Here's the thing that I want you to understand about this. Growth is in proportion to your hunger. Think about this. When you eat, how do you get hungry? You use what you've eaten, right? When you use what you've eaten and your stomach gets empty, there's something in you that says, I want more, right? And that's the same thing with God's Word. If you snack, you will never get filled. When you hunger, when you thirst, guess what? You will always be filled. That's what the Bible's teaching us. And so if you're wondering, man, God just doesn't seem to be talking to me lately. I'm just not hearing a word from God. What I always tell people is go back to the last thing that God told you to do and be obedient. And as you begin to apply the things in your life that God has given to you, you watch him speak. I happened to read this this week. I don't know who said it, but when something like this, when I speak, the Lord listens. When I listen, the Lord speaks. But when I believe, that's when he works. You see, my friends, one of the things that I have learned in my life is that I hunger for this daily, and I hunger for this during the day because I know that everything I need to be able to do what God has given me to do, I cannot do my own, so I must get it from him. Man, I throw popcorn prayers up all the time. Every time I go into the meeting, every time I'm listening to a problem, listening to something that someone's going through, Spirit of the living God, speak to me. Spirit of the living God, help me to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And as I am obedient and applying it to my life, it just begins to come and come and come, and it overflows into my life. And that's what God wants you to know this morning. All right, now, in Luke 8, in the passage that we just read, we find Jesus, we find his disciples, and we find some women, and they are going from town to town, from village to village. Remember what they're doing? Jesus is telling people the good news of the kingdom of God. In other words, that the kingdom of God in the form of the Son is present right where they are. But did you catch what Jesus tells us in his word? Here it is. These women were helping to support them out of their means. This is so important for us to understand, and I want you to grab hold of this. Why in the world would Jesus put it in his word that these women were helping to support Jesus? Jesus didn't need their help. He didn't need their money, did he? Not at all. But you know what happens here? This is an example that Jesus allows those whose lives he has touched to partner with him in redeeming a lost world. 
Every one of those women had been changed and touched by Jesus. And so Jesus invites us to get involved with him in redeeming a lost world in response to what God has done for us. And boy, God has been good to you, my friends. And because he's been good to us, our response would, should be, I want to go and I want to tell. All right, now, we're about to read this parable here, but I want to remind you that Jesus' teaching, when he did his parables, a third of his teaching was done in parables. He was always telling stories. Now, I want you to look at something here. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Now, in the book of Mark, when we see this, this parable, one of the things that Jesus says to his disciples is this, don't you understand this? And the reason that Jesus tells them this is because apparently this parable, knowing and understanding what this parable means, is key to all of the other parables that Jesus is going to be telling from this time on. Now, in this parable, there are three very important things. There is the seed, there is the sower, and there is the soil, right? The seed is the Word of God. The seed is the truth of God's word. The seed is that by which we are saved. Look at what 1 Peter tells us. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The word of God, my friends, is powerful. And then we have the sower. Well, what's the sower, or who is the sower? The sower is the one who hears the word of God and then tells someone else. This is the evidence that we get to partner with Jesus because all Jesus tells us to do is we're responsible for scattering the seed. That's it. We're not responsible for the growth. We're not responsible for anything else except spreading the seed. And then finally, we come to the soil. And the soil is a representation of the heart. All right, now, I want you to watch what happens here and see if you caught this. At the end of this parable, Jesus cries out in a loud voice, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. What does that mean? What was he saying to them? If, if you got something in your ears and you didn't hear what I said, no, that's not what he meant. This is what he was means when he says this. He says this, hear the word of God, understand the word of God, apply the word of God. That's what Jesus is telling us as he's preaching these. He's saying to all of us, hear the word of God, understand the word of God, and now apply the word of God. And let me just remind you of something. Jesus spoke in parables, and there's two reasons why he did this. Number one, to reveal truth, 
And the second reason is to conceal truth. Now, listen to this. To reveal truth means to make it available and aware to hearts that are hungry. But to conceal truth, to hide truth from the hardened, calloused heart. That's why the Pharisees never understood anything Jesus was saying. And that's why the most simple of the simple people could understand what it was that Jesus was trying to tell them because their hearts were hungry. Now, right now, I want to say to you is that this is what I'm trying to get to you. The point is this. Is your heart hungry for the Word of God, or are you checking the clock right now because you're ready to go? You see, I want you to understand Jesus is making something crystal clear to us. For those who hunger for my word, you will want more. But those who are just here to abide and give their time, but they're not wanting to apply it, your hearts will grow calloused and hard, and you won't understand. I'm going to bring this to a close now. In Mark chapter 5, there's a story about Jesus and his disciples, and they're traveling on the Sea of Galilee, and they go to the other side of the lake. It's to the Gerasenes. This was the place where everybody believed all the demons and all the evil lived. And as they went there, do you remember what happened? There was a man who was filled with demons, and he comes running up to Jesus, and he falls down on his knees and worships him. And remember, there was a request that was made. What do you want with us, son of God? Do not throw us into this abyss. These are the demons, and they know what's coming for them. And so Jesus says to me, he goes, what is your name? Remember what they said? Legion. In a Roman army, a legion was a minimum of 6,000 soldiers. Jesus granted their request, and he said, you can go into those pigs, and the pigs took off, and they ran over the cliff, and they jumped off into the Sea of Galilee, and they drowned, and the people came out and asked Jesus to leave. Now, here's what I want you to remember. That man, now that all those demons had left his life, was sitting there, and Jesus went back to him, and the man made a request of Jesus. Do you remember what it was? Watch. Jesus did not let him, okay, let me go back here real quick, okay? The man asks Jesus if he can go with him. Now, look at what Jesus says. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Now, think about this. This is this man. Jesus has just turned his life around. He no longer has these demons. And what does he want to do? Because of what Jesus has done for him, he's offering his life to Jesus and says, thanks, but no thanks. But then Jesus tells him, but here's what I want you to do. You now have a story. And I want you to go back to your own people. This is before Jesus even gave this mandate about going to all the world. He says, I want you to go to your own family. I want you to go to people, and I want you to tell them what Jesus has done in your life. Wouldn't it be nice to know what happened to that man? You know what? The Bible tells us. Watch. Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. This is later. 
Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. You know what this is the story of? You've heard the story of the feeding of the 5,000, right? This is the story of the feeding of the 4,000. And the difference is is that the feeding of the 5,000 were of Jewish people. This is the feeding of the 4,000, which were of the Gentiles. One man whose life was touched by God, all he did is he went and told his family and everyone in those 10 cities, the Decapolis, of what Jesus had done for him. And 4,000, and that's just men, 4,000 came before Jesus. Now, I tell you that for this reason, and this is what I want to close with, okay? Since COVID, some new numbers have just come out on the percentage of people who would come to church if they were invited. And I want you now just to think about your community right here in Wichita. 83%, of unchurched people in our community, if they were invited, would come to church. Man, those are great odds, aren't they? That means if I talk to 10 people, eight of those people would come to church. Now, here's the sad part. The statistics also tell us that only 2% of church people are willing to invite someone. That's sad. That breaks my heart. Doesn't it yours? And so I want you to know that as I was preparing for this message, God put something on my heart. There's a young man here in Wichita that I've known for many, many years. In fact, we played basketball together. He was at a a school south of the border, and I was going to a school in Winfield, Kansas. And let's just say it was very competitive when we played each other, okay? We move back to Wichita. I see him all the time. And every time I see him, my mind goes back to when I played him in college basketball. My thoughts have not always been very pleasant or kind. As I was preparing for this message and asking God who I might invite, who do you think God instructed me to go to? this young man. So I've, re- I've already resolved in my heart that I'm going to do that, okay? And I know God's going to do it. He's going to arrange our paths to, to cross. And I know it's also going to happen at a time when I'm not going to have time available. I, I know how he works in my life. But I made a commitment. If 83% of people who are unchurched would go to church if somebody invited them, 
I refuse to be a part of the 2%. I want to be one of those who extends an invitation. And so that's what I'm going to do. When I see him, I'm going to pull the truck over. I'm going to go to him. And as soon as he sees me, he's going to know me. And I'm going to know him. And I'm just going to extend my hand. And I'm going to take responsibility for whatever or whatever could have happened. And then I'm going to invite him to church. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'm going to do it because God put it on my heart to do. I remember at the beginning of service, I told you I'm going to challenge you to do something great. You know what I'm challenging you to do over these next four weeks? We're going to learn how to invite people. This whole message on Jonah is about evangelism. And we're going to learn about Jonah, and we're going to learn some things about why he did what he did, and oh, we're all going to resonate with it. But then, what we're going to do is we're going to do not what Jonah did, but we're going to do what the Lord has asked us to do. There are people in this city right now that if they were to die today, they would not be in heaven. The Bible tells us that that road is narrow. And that's why God has placed this church in this community to be that shining light. Will you join me? Will you pray and ask God, who is it that he wants you to invite? And then leave the results into his hands, and let's see what God's going to do. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this message. Thank you for reminding me the importance of not just hearing the word of God, understanding it, but also applying it. I know what that feels like at times, Lord, when my heart's been hardened or calloused, and I know when it's that way. So I'm asking you, Father, right now to create a hunger in me. I think about between the Old and the New Testament, there was 400 years. People said that there wasn't a word from the Lord at that time, but I know what you were doing. You were creating a hunger, a hunger that was so great and so deep that when that which fills came upon this earth, they would flock to him. Lord, today I pray in each of our lives, would you bring to mind who that individual is, who that man, who that woman is that we're supposed to go out and invite, who that classmate is, who that teammate is. And then, Father, we're just going to leave the results into your hands. And so, Father, it may just be something like this. Hey, I just want you to know that my pastor is starting a new series. And believe it or not, he challenged us to invite somebody. And you know me, I always love a challenge. And so I'm just asking you, would you come with me? We'll even pick you up on Sunday morning. We go to 11 o'clock church so you can sleep in. But won't you just come with me and let's just see what happens from there. Father, that's a prayer, that's a conversation that I know you can bless. I don't want to be a part of the 2%. I want to be a part of those who are going out and being obedient. And it's in the most powerful name of Jesus that I'm believing and I'm going to step out in faith. Amen. Would you stand? I know some of you are probably thinking, I knew I shouldn't have come to church this morning. But now I want to give you where you're going to get the strength, the blessing of our Lord. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his strength, and his power. Now, go into the world and invite someone to church. God bless you. I can't wait to see the results. See you next week.